Her heart came and with the inspiration that he was feeling, began to communicate about the Lord touching you, those being here having need. Of course, she had no idea the direction that I was going to go in this short portion. But I have, I feel something very specific here. James 5 and 14. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And continue forward. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Continue. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. The writer is saying, a man by the name of Elijah, whom you are very familiar with the miracles that, his, that transferred through his ministry in his lifetime, he was just like you and me. Remember where we started? Oh, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not in Yakima. And it rained not in Washington. No, it was bigger than that. And it rained not in America. No, it didn't rain on the earth for three years. Now look where we started. If there be any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them, anointing them with oil. Praying the prayer of faith in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall raise up the sick. The effectual, fervent prayer of us. Of us. Why don't you go ahead and put that picture up there. While he's getting this, I want to share another point. You know, sometimes you interact with people and you, lo you know, wow, this is an appointment from the Lord. I need to pay attention to this encounter. I walk into a hardware store one day and a lady at the register says, I've seen you on TV. And she turns to the others in the registers and I've seen him on TV. Haven't I seen you on TV? I said, well, it's happened before. There were some folks that showed up at one of our church services one day and said, we just saw the commercial and we came. Now, 
I believe she saw me on TV. If that's how God wanted this to all happen. And so I said, well, I said, then I think God's dealing with you. I said, you might find me on YouTube. And she immediately started searching her register computer. And I thought, okay, now this is an appointment. This is an encounter that I need to pay attention to. And over the last many months now, when I enter that store and we make eye contact, I can tell how she's doing. Because if she sees me and she looks away, I know she's not doing too good. But before I leave, I usually say, I'm praying for you. I prayed for you today. And recently, more recently, earnestly, I know this is an appointment. And so I will call out this individual. I don't even know her name. That lady at the register. I think we're living in a time that we need to have focused praying beseeching the Lord because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much now listen anybody recognize that picture that's Chester Stedman Chester Stedman was around in the Puyallup area probably I don't know 15 years ago 20 years ago but we spent a lot of time together and I watched we all watched the Lord heal him do some great things in his life and then he moved back to Iowa to be around his family there was a time when he was in Puyallup his teeth were really bad he was decided it was time to get dentures so he had to get all his teeth pulled and he asked me he said would you would you go with me would you take me to the oral surgeon and I said, well, yeah, because he was on the social system. We had to drive all the way to Bremerton. And he said, now, I've prayed. I'm not taking any Novocaine. I'm not taking any painkiller. Chester, are you sure you want to do that? No, no, I, I don't want any pain pills. I have prayed no pain. you say so and I took him and they pulled him and he got in the car and he said no pain I said okay well I think you need to ride back with me and stay at my house for a few hours I want to keep an eye on you okay we went back to the house and he sat in the lounge chair down in the den every hour or so I'd go down and check Chester how you doing no pain no pain. Okay. Okay. He never experienced an ounce of pain having all his teeth pulled. No medication. Now, about a month ago, I was diagnosed with actinic keratosis. That's precancerous lesions on the top of my scalp. And he heard me make a comment in a service in Puyallup about the treatment and the chemotherapy that they would do and what it would involve, the side effects. 
a lot of burning, a lot of pain, a lot of this, a lot of that down this list. Well, he called me. He said, as soon as I heard, I prayed. No pain. Well, I did a lot of research. <laughs> they said, there's going to be a lot of pain. There's going to be a lot of redness. Your head's going to turn like a beat. And day five, day six, this is what you're going to deal with. So I'm, I'm prepared to go through this. They said you should probably remove yourself from the public eye before you scare anybody. Day five came. I fastened my seatbelt. Day six came. Day seven came. Day eight came. Day 14 today. And I have not experienced any of the side effects of the chemotherapy. The effectual, fervent prayer of us. Now, not to step beyond what Elder Hart did, I'm asking you today, if you're here and you're experiencing pain of any kind, or you need a prayer for some healing, I'm asking you to stand. Because what Brother Guardado said in the opening statement under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, the Lord is here to heal. You who are standing, I'm asking you to come and stand in the front. Because according to the word, we're going to call for the elders to come and to pray. Now who would have ever guessed? Are you all here? According to the authority of the word of God, and the power of the name of Jesus Christ. I'd like for the elders to come up. Come up. Lay hands on these. For the effectual fervent prayer of us. Of we standing here in this room. By the witness of the Holy Ghost. By the authority of the Word of God, by the power of the name of Jesus, the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. In the name of Jesus, come on, we stand yielded to you, Lord, in the name of According to your will. 
Listen to me for one minute. I was eyewitness to a man who came for prayer with a cane, a young man. He had fused vertebrae in his back. And God instantly healed him. He threw the cane under the chairs and he left it there and went home. It wasn't long after that he realized it was going to affect his government's assistance. He went back and took up the cane. He took on the affliction again. Here's what I want you to say before you go back to your seat. say this in representation not because it's your situation but because you heard these words we release it let it go
please go back to your seats. I'm asking Brother Elder Flowers to come. Amen. Minister to us what God has put on his heart. Amen. Thank God. Thank God. Amen. Well, in just a moment, I'm going to dismiss our children, ages 4 to 11, upstairs. Now, if you're 3 or if you're 12, let me tell you a little secret. They're not going to be checking ID up there. So, the other thing I wanted to say is, if you are in some of our overflow areas or you just happen to see a few tribes of children go upstairs and you see a few seats become available, then I welcome you to move to those seats. Amen. All right, let's dismiss our teachers first up there. Let them go and our teachers' helpers to go upstairs, give them a head start. All right, and we do have the nursery as well. If your child is younger but you want to make use of that room, feel free by all means to use that. All right, children, you are dismissed upstairs. God be with our children. I know they're all happy to be here today, and I'm thankful for that. <laughs> Amen. Now, we have some seats available. Let's do this. Why don't you take a moment and just find somebody to shake hands with, and let that be your excuse to slide to where you want to land for the next little while. Amen. You can stand. Go ahead. Shake somebody's hand. Tell them God's already been here, and he's still here. Also tell them I'm going to see you at 4 o'clock at the park. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. You can be seated. I'm thankful to Bishop. I give honor to him. Thankful to what he's ministered and uh, what the Lord has done. I also give honor to Elder Hart, who is not with us today, Elder and Sister Hart, being out of town. We love them. Why don't we give them a hand clap? Because we love them. Amen. Brother Hart, Sister Hart, God bless you as you're traveling. Amen. We feel your prayers here today, and we're thankful for that. Amen. I want to take you to the scripture, Romans chapter 6, verse 17 is where I'd like to start here. Romans chapter 6, verse 17. 
the Lord gave me this scripture I felt like last Sunday when I was uh, speaking in Puyallup, and um, I just want to share this with you as a basis, so to speak, for uh, what I feel he wants to share today. Romans six seventeen says, but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. I'd like you to just pause and, and, and ask yourself or ponder for a moment, how did I get here? And I don't mean to this physical location, but to this season of life that you are in right now. How did I get here? How did I get the understanding, whatever it is that I have, great or small, of who Jesus is, the understanding of the scripture that I have? How did I get here? This scripture really tells us you have obeyed from the heart the form of doctrine which was delivered you. So you were taught something. Doctrine is teaching. You were taught something and you obeyed it from your heart. I would tell you that's how you got here. That's how we got to where we are in the Lord today. Not because somebody came and laid their hand on you one time. Not because you saw a bishop on YouTube one time. Not because whatever else you think, well, that's if I look at my life and I see, well, this happened and this happened. Yes, but there's this thing called faith. And faith is when you believe, and as this scripture says, in your heart, when you believe what's been taught to you about the Lord about his word that faith got you to where you are right now obeying from the heart the doctrine that was delivered to us now let me just tell you it's not going to change anytime soon it's not like that got you here but now you're waiting for what's next what do i do next I mean, I got the faith, I got the teaching delivered to me, I, I believe it and I obey it in my heart. Now I'm ready to take a step further and I just want some whoosh God to really do something now. Well, I, I'll tell you, he's not going to do anything more than give you more doctrine for you to obey and believe in your heart. He just builds on it. The pattern doesn't change. You don't reach the magical number of 30 years serving the Lord and then all of a sudden start to strut with the Holy Ghost because you made it to a certain point. No, the, the scripture says line upon line, precept upon precept. This is how we get where we are in the Lord at whatever stage we're in. Now, thank the Lord. We just missed our, we, we just dismissed our children. and our, We have children. Many of us have young children that are receiving doctrine. They're being taught from that early stage. And then many of us, I would believe, as we were children, we were taught at an early stage some form of doctrine about the Lord, about the Bible. And from that stage till now, the Lord has just added here and there. You received this 
which now means you're ready to receive this. Let me add a little bit more. Let me give you a little more understanding. Let me give you a little more faith. Let me give you a little more of whatever is lacking. That's how we walk. That's how we grow with the Lord. That's the thing that got us here will be the thing that keeps us where we are and propels us where we're going to go. Everybody say understanding. understanding. Amen. John chapter 16, verse 12. John chapter 16, verse 12. I feel like I want to just say this. The Word is inspired by the Holy Ghost. Most of, or a lot of, I believe, what the Lord is going to share with us today is brought to us by John. John chapter 16, verse 12, it says, Jesus speaking, John recording his words, Jesus says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. You know, the Lord always had to have something he wanted to say and likely always had more than what he could share thinking, if you were ready for this, I would even share this with you. But you're not ready yet. That's what he's saying here. I have so much more that I want to share, but you can't bear it now. Verse 13, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come. Everybody say truth. Everybody say truth. Everybody say the spirit of truth. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself. Now that's really an interesting thing if you stop and think about it. The spirit of truth will guide you into truth because he's not going to be talking about himself. Wait, wait, wait. He is the spirit of truth. I mean, how, how, how can the spirit of truth teach me and guide me into things and not be talking about himself? Stay with me. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. Who did I say was speaking these words? Jesus is speaking these words. And he says, the spirit of truth will not speak of himself, but what he hears, he shall speak. Verse 14, he shall glorify me. Jesus telling his disciples, the spirit of truth will glorify me. That means he's going to project an image, not just like a hologram, but the glory that I have is what will be portrayed in his sharing. What he shares is my glory. He shall glorify me. Oh, pause for a second. I thought the scripture said he won't share my, I won't share my glory with another. Right? I know that's in there somewhere. I won't share my glory with another. But then he says, he, the spirit of truth, shall glorify me. The thing that he portrays, what you see, what you hear when he ministers is me. For he shall receive of mine 
and shall show it unto you. 1 John chapter 5. First John chapter 5, verse 4. Got a little bit of a reading to do. I promise I'm not going to try to take any longer than what's needed today. First John chapter 5, verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. You could substitute the word doctrine for faith there because it's belief in the doctrine that is your faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Verse 5, who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he that came... By water and blood, even Jesus Christ. I'm, I want to talk about the spirit of truth. This, these scriptures are, are trying to give us some truth, trying to give us some understanding of who God is, of who Jesus is, of who the spirit of truth is. Now, John, he talks a lot about who Jesus is, who the Spirit is. And John, you know, there's a, there's a nickname for him. Does anybody know what he's called? John the Beloved. The beloved. He, he's, he's a lover, not a fighter, if I can put it that way. Peter was the fighter. We all know that. John is the, the Beloved. And even in his writings, he shares love. We all must love. You have to love. I have to love. And that's infused with all of his writings. But he says we only can love through the love of God. If I'm loving any other way, it's not true. It's not the way to do it. So he infuses these two elements in a lot of his writing, and especially in St. John and in 1 John. The idea of who God is and the idea of love. Verse 6, this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness because the Spirit is truth. Let me take you back to 1 John chapter 1. I just want to read a couple of these verses. 1 John chapter 1 verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard. He's talking about him and the other disciples that were with him. That which was from the beginning, we heard... We've seen with our eyes, we've looked upon, and our hands have handled that which was from the beginning, the thing we've seen and touched. 
of the word of life. This is John who wrote the other St. John 1.1 in the beginning was the word, right? And now he's saying that which was from the beginning, we saw, we heard, we looked upon, we handled him, especially me, the beloved who was always right up in his grill. He was the one that was from the beginning. The word of life. Verse 2, For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. There's a key in here. John is saying, He uses this word beginning a few times. And he's letting everybody know there's something out there. Someone out there. We call him the Father. We call him the Spirit. But we know he was manifested. That which was with the Father was manifested to us. You think this matters? You think the, what John decided to interject here matters in Scripture? I believe it does. He wouldn't write it if it didn't. Verse 3, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you may also have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Let me try to help you. I got something to read here. Everybody say oneness. Now likely you've not uh, you've heard that term before. This is not the first time that you've heard it. But he uses the word fellowship. And he talks about the fellowship that we have. We want you to have fellowship with us. And I want you to remember that I had fellowship with him. And in my fellowship with him, I learned things about him such as he was the word from the beginning. This idea of oneness, if you'll just let me read this real quick, touch on this. I felt like the Lord had helped me with this understanding. It is not a violation of his oneness to say that you relate to his different manifestations in different ways. This is the, the, when I say you relate to his different manifestations, that's the word that John is using for fellowship. I fellowship with his spirit by spending this time with him. I did fellowship with him when he lived on the earth. And in my fellowship with him on the earth, I learned about him as the father. It's, it, we get, we, I say we, this is probably me. I get all tripped out sometimes in my own understanding when I think, no, you can't go there because that violates the oneness. You can't think that he was this because that violates the understanding of this. 
No, he manifested himself as Jesus Christ. Before he manifested himself as Jesus Christ, he already was. He already was. Talking about the spirit of truth, okay? So it's not a violation to say, well, once he decided to manifest himself as Jesus Christ, he wasn't what he was already before. We talked about this a little bit last Tuesday for those of you that were here. Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. So because he decides to manifest himself in a, in a fashion doesn't mean, well, I got to relate to him as this now and he's no longer this. No, he's all, he's all of it all the time. He says it again in verse 3. What we have seen, this is a different translation, but let me read First uh, John 1, 3 again. What we have seen and heard, we announce to you also so that you will join with us in the fellowship that we have with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. First John chapter 2, verse 24, if you would, please. I told you today's message is brought to us by John. 1 John chapter 2, verse 24. Let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you shall continue in the Son and in the Father. Different translation puts it this way. Keep in your hearts the message you've heard from the beginning. What did I say at the beginning? We've obeyed with our heart the doctrine delivered to us. Keep in your heart the message you've heard from the beginning. If you keep that message, then you will always live in union with the Son and the Father. And this is what Christ himself promised to give us, eternal life. Let's go to 1 John chapter 5. Verse 6, we were reading here a little bit ago, but we had a little segue to get back here. 1 John chapter 5, verse 6. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because, he is, because the Spirit is truth. Now I want to just spend a little bit of time on the next two verses. Verse 7, there are three that bear record in heaven. I apologize if I'm the only one having fun and you just have to sit there and bear this. There are three that bear record in heaven. Come on, say it with me. There are three that bear record in heaven. You're just quoting the word of God. Come on, don't feel like you're sinning here. There are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Mr. John, St. John. 
Apostle John, whatever you want to call him, he knew the word. And I don't mean he could quote the Bible. He knew the word. There are three that bear record in heaven. They always have been. They always will be. And yes, I said they. They are one. In heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you about this little thing called harmony. I'm not a musician. I don't pretend to be one, but I know what harmony is. There's three different notes. They are in harmony. Watch this. That's three different notes. They're not in harmony unless you change keys or you're playing jazz. That's a joke. They are in harmony with one another. In music, we call that a chord. Three notes that make a chord. How many chords? One chord. Not three chords. That's one chord. You have to have all three parts to have the chord. And they have to all three be in harmony with one another to have the chord. You hit something that doesn't belong and you don't have the chord. You have jazz. You just can call it that because jazz, you can play whatever you want and act like you did it on purpose. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Next verse. There are three that bear witness in earth. So there's three in heaven, the Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost. There's three that bear witness in earth. The Spirit and the water, what's the third one? The blood, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. The spirit, the water, and the blood. Everybody take a deep breath. Don't be nervous because I've mentioned the word three so many times. Count how many times I've said the word one. If I've done it correctly, they're the same number. Because every time the scripture tries to identify three, it also shares that they are one. So it says here in earth, one of these three that bears witness is the spirit, the water, and the blood. And I'm not taking the time to go back up there again, but he already said it. Jesus is the one that came in water, not only in water, but also in blood. I just have a couple of questions. I'm trying to wrap up and be done. Is the Holy Spirit the Spirit of the Father? I'm not going to make fun of you if you say yes or no and you get it wrong. 
Just ask yourself, is the Holy Spirit the Spirit of... The, the Scripture says God is Spirit, right? I believe that's in Romans as well. God is Spirit. So is the Holy Spirit the Spirit of the Father? Is, is the Father God? First of all, let's ask that. Yes. If God is Spirit... Is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God? I'm so glad you asked. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Father? But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. Okay, we're identifying the spirit of someone, right? You still with me? Jesus is dead in this passage. If Jesus was dead, then somebody's spirit raised him. That's what he says. If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. That's the Holy Ghost that dwells in me. I don't get, any, I don't get a multiplicity of spirits dwelling in me. God forbid. The spirit of him dwells in me. That, so let me ask the question again. Is the Holy Spirit the spirit of God the Father? Now, Jump back, if you will, two verses to Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Because my other question is, is the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Christ Jesus? If the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, does anybody think it was another spirit that raised up Christ from the dead besides the Spirit of God? I hope not. All right. So that's the Spirit of God that raised up Jesus from the dead. Now, Romans chapter 8, verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. That's great. That's kind of like what we just read. But watch this next part. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Spirit of of Christ. The, the same phrase is in this same verse. Both, both phrases are in this same verse. The Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ. Now, stay there, but let me remind you there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Spirit, and these three are one. The Spirit, being one of those three, is one. I cannot read this any other way than to answer those two questions that I asked. Yes, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the Spirit of God the Father. And, yes, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. If it was not that, then how do you reckon the second phrase, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his? If, if nothing else, we would all want to say, well, 
I'm a Christian. I belong to God. I belong to Jesus. I'm his. Okay, then do you have the spirit of Christ? No, I've only got the spirit of the Father. What else do I have to do? Nothing. You got it. The Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead. Another question. Is it possible for God the Father and Christ Jesus to have the same Spirit but be different persons? Let me just give you this quick example. Husband and wife. The scripture says, they too shall be one flesh. It does not say they too shall be one spirit. There can never be anything with two spirits. It just doesn't work that way. As God created it, this thing has a spirit. This man, this woman, this spirit has a spirit. And it's only one. It's kind of starting to feel a little bit like Sesame Street. (laughs) Which one of these three is not like the other? No. It's not possible For God the Father and Christ Jesus to have the same spirit but be different persons. I would use the word people for better grammar, but I'm specifically using the word persons. It's not possible for God the Father and Christ Jesus to have the same spirit but be different persons. I just wanted to say that to somebody. Let me give you a side note. I'm almost done. I'm all, I, I don't have a, a lot more scrolling to do. In fact, it's all on the same screen now, so you can be thankful. A side note for you, because I mentioned about John talking about loving one another and having this perfect love. Jesus even prayed it. Lord, make them one as you and I are one. And then let them love one another. The side note, because so much of this is about loving this, meaning the, the chapters of John, are about loving one another, that is having God's spirit in you and being like Christ, it's worth mentioning. We should not be surprised when others do not love us back with the love that we attempt to show them. That's a lot that I had to read, but let me try to break that down. If I'm a Christian, I'm going to try to be like Christ. Did everybody in the world, when Christ was in the world, love him? No. Actually, a very small percentage of people did. So did he only love a very small percentage of people back? Of course not. He loved everybody. It even says, while we were yet sinners, he died for us. That's how much he loves everybody. So I just need to pause and remind us all, I don't let the love that somebody else either does or does not have determine my love for them. 
Oh, they, they don't care about me, so I just don't have to love them back. Well, only if you want to be a Christian, you have to love them back. Well, they're not ever going to do anything nice for me. Are they going to crucify you? Because that's the example we were given. That even if the answer to that is yes, you still have to love them. If you want to be like Christ. When you're going to love like Christ loved, it cannot be predicated on someone else's feelings, words, or actions that determines whether or not you love them. Really quick, first while well, we're still in John. First John chapter 3, verse 13. This is a nice easy one you can quote and just take this one with you if you forget everything else today. First John 3:13. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. Words of John talking about living like Christ. Don't be surprised if the world hates you. Boy, is that refreshing or what? Is that a pep talk or what? It's not a really a strong rallying point, but it's in the Scripture. Don't be surprised if the world hates you. They hated me, Jesus said. In fact, be a little surprised. Everybody hang with me. I'm, I'm turning the bus right now. Be a little surprised if they don't hate you. They did hate me. So if they are just 100% completely and on board accepting of everything that you say, start to question that a little bit. The, the, the relationship that Jesus had with the world should mirror the relationship that I have with the world. I, I told you I'm turning the bus. 1 John chapter 4, verse... Uh, let's go to verse 1 really quick. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone into the world. Next verse. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Uh, uh, now we know what the Spirit of God is, right? But here's how you're going to tell the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that says that is of God. Verse 3, 2, 3. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come and even now already is in the world. Verse 4. You are of God. Whew. I can rest in that statement. You are of God, little children, and have overcome the world. 
Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Next verse. I think this is going to be my last verse. They are of the world. Pause for a second. Remind yourself what the previous verse just said. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And then it says, they are of the world. So it's not talking about just he, the devil. They. It's a group. It's a collective. They are of the world. Who? They who? Them. What did those verses say about them? It's linking them to false prophets, spirits, that are not of God. Spirits that don't confess that Jesus has come in the flesh. That's the them. So they are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. I just want to read that to you really quickly in a couple of translations. Those false prophets speak about matters of the world. And the world listens to them because they belong to the world. Those people belong to this world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint, and the world listens to them. We have a very clear distinction between, again, looking at Jesus. Did the world love Jesus or hate Jesus? He told us, they hated me. Does the world love or hate the false prophets? It loves them. Or here it at least says it, they listen to the false prophets. They hear them. Why? Because of what they're talking about. Matters of the world. Things that matter in this world. I promise you I'm coming to a close. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world's perspective, and the world listens to them. I feel like the Lord gave me this caution to share today. We already introduced it a little bit when we talked about, does the world love or hate Jesus? Does the world love or hate me? Be careful if the word starts to sound a little too fresh. I'm just letting that one sink in for a minute because nobody saw that coming. Be careful if the word, what, what the word? The, the word of God, in quotes, for those listening on the radio waves. When the love, when the word of God supposedly comes to you and it seems so fresh, that it doesn't conflict with any part of your life, start to just be a little cautioned by that. When the word starts to sound a little too contemporary, and I know I sound old-fashioned even using that word, but it's what I felt the Lord gave me. When the word, supposed word of God, starts to sound too contemporary, I don't even know where that link is, but a long time ago, Bishop wrote something that said, staying current with the Holy Ghost keeps me relevant to the world. That's true, and I believe it, and I received it 12, 13 years ago whenever he wrote that. Why? Because the Holy Ghost knows you and I better than anyone else, 
including the God of this world. The God of this world would try to trick you into thinking that he knows the most about you, enough about you, well enough about you to give you what you need. That's a trick. But if I'm getting word, supposed word from God, but it's not bringing any contradiction to my life, I need to question that. I need to be cautioned about that. So I've used a couple of descriptives already. A little too fresh, a little too contemporary, or I'll use this one, a little too fashionable. The word is a mirror, and it reveals what's in you, what's in me. At least it should be. But when instead it's reflecting what I want to be or what I am now that I'm fine with, it's no longer a mirror of the perfect law of liberty, as the Scripture calls it. It's a reflection of this world, this day. You're going to have to pardon this reference. I didn't intend to use it. But there's a certain movie by a certain production company with certain theme parks. A certain movie that supposedly a young lady looks into a mirror and supposedly sees herself. And you might have seen this. If so, we'll pray repentance together at the end. But there's another image on the other side of that mirror, and it's not her. Even in the children's story, it represents evil. Evil in the mirror looking back and saying, Ah, I don't want you to see what you really look like. I want you to see... What I want you to see. There's this word called deception, and that's how the enemy works. I don't want you to see who you should be in the word. I want you to see who you can be right now. That's fine. That's good. Everything's good with who you are, how you are, what you look like now. You don't need to change a thing. That is a message being preached across pulpits in our world right now. You're fine. You don't need to change anything about who you are, what you look like, what you look like, what you look like, what you look like. You don't need to change anything about what you look like. You're fine just the way you are. Get in the word, people. That is my mirror. That gives me the description of what I should look like, what I should sound like, what I should act like. The world wants to be catered to. But the truth, I'm talking about the spirit of truth, will convict you not cater to you. 
The world says, relax. The spirit of truth says, repent. The spirit of this age says to be trending for all the right reasons. Do something cool, record it, post it on YouTube, see how many likes you can get, how many views you can get. Be trending. That's what the world today says. The spirit of truth opposes that which is trendy, or let me put it this way, resists the proud. The spirit of truth gives grace to the humble. Trendy is a, just a, it's not a word that I don't think I've ever used in a message before. But there's a hidden word behind it, and that word is pride, and I've used that one a time or two. Uh, I want to be trendy. I want to be cool. I want, I want, I want, I want pride. The scripture does not, oh, how many, uh, we're all adults here. I'm not going to try to hurt anybody's feelings. The scripture does not care what you want except to say, seek the Lord and what you want will be added to you. This is a strange message to be speaking today, but I'm trusting it with the Lord. He's not looking. There's a... We're getting close to lunchtime. I'll tell you what. If you've never ridden in my van with me and my family, the absolute worst thing you can do when you all get in the van and leave is say, so what does everybody want for lunch today? That's the worst possible thing. Take it from the parent. There is a 0.000 chance all five are going to say the same thing. And then you get one dissenting voice, and now, no matter what happens, somebody's feelings are going to get hurt. Why? You can't please 100% of the people 100% of the time. That's not just me stating that. That is the Scripture letting you know, don't expect to get all of your wants and needs and wishes met. I'm not trying to be rude or mean. We're talking about the spirit of truth. The world says to be, uh, more words I've never used before. The world says to be chic or hipster or modern. The spirit of truth says to be holy, to be humble, and to be modest. Why don't you stand? I'm closing with that. The spirit of truth will lead you and guide you into all truth. When it is come. If nothing else, I hope the Lord has given us a reason to know why we need the spirit of truth today. Later on, it says, hereby you know the spirit of truth 
and the spirit of error. Everything that I've called the world, you could call the spirit of error. Not just like, oh, they accidentally got it wrong. No, it's the spirit in this age that is opposed to God. The spirit of error works overtime. The spirit of error tries to get words, thoughts, images, ideas in front of you so that you ponder it so that you question it, so that you entertain it. I really, I, 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 it feels like we're so far away in time from when these things were written. And if I'm not careful, even the spirit of error will cause me to say, well, everything out there doesn't either confess Jesus is the Son of God, or not confess Jesus is the Son of God. Come on. This is 2022. Get with it. We've moved on. We do TikToks now. We have jet airplanes now. We have streaming now. Pause. Pause. Time out, please. Listen to the caution of the Lord today. And learn what is it says it he says it there try the spirits to know what is from God to know what is not from God every eye closed if you would I think we need to spend a little bit of alone time with the Lord right now Closing your eyes is about the best way you can get alone time with Him in a room like this. Lord, I need the Spirit of truth in my life. I need the Spirit of truth in my life, God. That which is the discerner. That which is the knowledge. That which is the word of eternal life. That which does lead me and guide me into all truth. I'm going to open these altars. I'm inviting you to come and find a place to pray. We're going to spend some time with the Lord here and let Him work on us. Jesus, I surrender to You right now, Father. I surrender my life to You right now, God. I'm not looking for what this world has to say. I'm not looking for what it has to offer. God, I don't even need the opinion of this world. Your word is true. Your word is true, God. As it says, let God be true and every man a liar. Because every man, Lord, that's not subject to the leading of your spirit, God is influenced by the God of this world. It's influenced by the spirit of error. I submit my life to you right now, Father. I want you to lead me. I want you to guide me. I put my hand in your hand, Jesus, that you would lead and guide me. Lord, I want your spirit to govern my life. I want your spirit to govern my life, Jesus. Speak words of affirmation when they're needed. 
speak words of conviction when they're needed. God, I'm giving you the reins. I'm giving you control. Come on, use this opportunity to get right with the Lord today. The Word of God says to repent, to repent, to have a change of course, to have a change of direction. I repent before you right now, Father. Lord, I want you to control. I want you to direct. I want you to bring instruction. I want you to bring clarity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If it's appropriate, why don't you find somebody to pray with? Let the Lord lead you. Come on, minister. Let the body minister to one another. In the name of Jesus. Lord, my life is open before you. My life is open before you. this over my home right now. I pray this over my family right now. God, the governing of your spirit. God, the leading of your spirit. I speak it into my home, oh God. I speak it into my situation, Lord. I know that you love me. I know that you care for me, God. That you would lead me in paths of righteousness that you would lead me in paths of righteousness. God, that it would be for your name's sake.
till I overflow. I want to run over. I want to run over. Yeah. Till I overflow. I want to run over. I want to run over. Yeah. Till I overflow. I want Ecclesiastes chapter 9 makes a statement. These keep praying. Time and chance come to us all. This is your time and you have a chance to get some things turned around. 
there's a chance right now to come to this altar surrender yourself and allow the Holy Ghost to do something in your life in the book of Luke there's a woman with an infirmity of 18 years she's been over it's a sin problem it, it, it was because of her actions that the scripture tells us because the devil had, had come in and possessed her but Jesus reached down and touched her when she's all bowed over and he straightened her life out God is wanting to straighten somebody's life out you're bent over the drugs, the alcohol, the immorality, the things you're caught up in. You want out, but you don't know how to get out. Come to this altar right now and let God touch your life. Let Him straighten you out this morning. Come on, that's why you came. That's how come you're here. You're not here because this is just another service, but you're desperate for God right now. Come on, your time your chance right now in the Holy Ghost come on come on don't worry about what anybody thinks right now come on this is between you and God come on come on in Jesus name beautiful come on come on my response is to God right now his calling his anointing on my life his direction come on Come on, you can leave different. You can leave different. Come on. Come on, church, let's pray. God's moving. God's moving right now. Come on. People are repenting right now. Come on, people are getting right with God right now. Come on, church, pray. Somebody begin to intercede right now. Come on, intercede in the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, beautiful. Come on, beautiful worship. Come on. Come on, we're touching the throne of God. Lives are being straightened out by His power.
your intercessions you calling out this name calling out that name it goes to the throne because the effectual fervent prayer of you Elijah being a man subject to the same things you are. Prayed that it would not rain for the space of three years. And upon this earth. When your knee hits the floor. Close your eyes and you begin to speak out names as God brings them to you. Nothing in this world can step between you and the throne of God. It's you. You're the vessel he has chosen to use. Years ago, they wrote a song. Somebody's praying for you. Well, I concluded that was pretty much a song being sung to the church. Those that were here, here, already here. I wonder how many multiplied millions of people. Now that's a big abstract number. But what about that one encounter that God brought you into? You. The one who's the effectual fervent prayer. What about that one encounter? Well, that was a strange thing. I, I know I put gas in the car. I don't know why I ran out on the exit and then that person pulled over and they helped me, gave me a little gas and you met them. What an awkward, strange way to encounter. You, you've had the encounters. Now let me ask you this. If God purposed to bring you into that encounter with that individual because you're the only 
spirit-filled believer who could pray the effectual, fervent prayer that was ever going to come into their life. I'm not putting putting on a guilt trip here for everybody you've passed over. I'm saying somehow we have to come to a realization and a sensitivity and a confidence that that lady who thinks she saw me on TV, that was a hand-chosen encounter. Why should I believe that he would send anybody else into that situation? He intends for me to pray the prayer and not be so consumed with my own life that I don't have time or I for, you know, I, well, oh, surely there's somebody else. I'm just telling you, you're the one. You are the one. And so when you open your mouth as directed by God for a certain individual, it can become a prayer of importunity. I'm coming back again. I'm coming back again. Morning, Lord. I'm back. Let's talk about John again. In the name of Jesus, I pray that your spirit draw them. I pray that they turn their life to you. I pray that right now they begin to call upon your name. That is an effectual, fervent prayer that the Bible promises me will avail much. I don't know if it's today. I don't know if it's tomorrow or next week. But my faith says... You called me to pray the prayer. I'm going to pray the prayer. If there's never another individual that comes into their life from now till their death, I'm going to have prayed the prayer. Boy, I feel such a witness of the Holy Ghost right now. I don't know what next week is going to hold for you. What situations, what encounters, but I'm telling you, The faith that has manifested itself here today goes with us. Hands in the air. I receive this of you, Lord. I receive this word of faith from you, God. I stand ready. I stand willing. available to you Lord listen to me how important this is he sought for one man to stand in the gap to make up the hedge that he would not pour his wrath out upon mankind Bible says he couldn't find one. Just looking for an available intercessor. I I can't. I've got to bring judgment down on this situation. It's going to wreak havoc with an entire nation of people. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I'm, I'm not willing that any would perish, but that all would come 
to repentance. I'm not willing. And so I, I've got to find somebody to intercede. And I looked. And I looked. And I looked. And I looked. And the Bible says he couldn't find one. Therefore he had to pour out. This is the hour. Judgment is ahead. We are the players on the field. We've been called unto this hour. It is such a time. We have been called for this time. I am eaten up with this burden. It is the burden of the Lord. Look upon the fields. We already know this. They're wide on the harvest. Let us be those laborers. Let us be those laborers. Let us be ready and willing. Let us go. Let us go. Let us go. Let us go. Let us go into all the world. Let us go. Let us preach the gospel. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. There's no time for anything else. In the name of Jesus. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. See you at the park. Four o'clock.